announcements before we get into the word together. Hopefully you received a handout on the way in. Uh, If not, try to grab one on the way out so that you can look back over some of the things we talked about today. But also there are some um, announcements on there, some things that are coming up. So make sure you check that out. Um, This week we're starting small groups and we have several options for small groups. If you need help choosing or getting plugged into a small group, we'd love to help you with that. Uh, We do ask uh, if you know which group you're going to, if you would uh, register on the Church Center app. And again, we can help you do that. Just let us know which group you're going to so that those hosts can prepare. Uh, if, if this is your first time here, there's a thing uh, on this little QR code at the bottom that says Connect Card. If you just put your smartphone camera over that, that'll take you to our electronic Connect Card form. Or if you prefer paper in the seat in front of you, there's a little card that says what's next. You can fill that out. Uh, either one of those options is, is perfectly acceptable. We would just love to hear from you and know that you are here visiting with us today. Uh, we have some exciting news. Uh, God has been doing a great thing here at Redemption, and God has been doing a great thing in this community. And we are seeing so many people uh, coming back to the Lord right now, and so many people exploring what it means to be a Christian, and we're seeing Families worship together again that haven't worshiped together uh, for a long time, Uh, but it's created uh, it's created a lot of um, opportunity here in this building, and so we want to make the leap and go to two services starting next week. And so we're really excited to do this because we think more more services gives more options. Maybe an earlier time is better for your family. Maybe the later time gives you a little more time to sleep in. So starting next week. We'll have two services, one at 9 o'clock and one at 11. Those services will be identical with one exception. Uh, right now, we're, we don't have enough volunteers to fully staff our kids' ministry in both services. So the 9 o'clock service will have nursery only for the time being. We hope to be able to offer full kids' ministry in that service soon. Um, and then the second service will have the kids' ministry options that we currently have in this service. So 9 a.m. nursery only, 11 a.m. will be the full kids ministry that we've had uh, up to this point. So uh, you can come to either service, you can come to both, uh, but whatever you do, please bring somebody with you because we're going to create a bunch of more seats and more parking places and we want people to hear the gospel of Jesus. And so please uh, be inviting people this week to join you next week for whichever service you decide to come to. That also means we need volunteers, and so if you're ready and willing to plug in and serve, if you can be a greeter, part of our hospitality team, if you'd like to help in the parking lot, if you want to be a part of kids' ministry, if you want to join the tech team, uh, lots of opportunities to serve. So please let us know if you would like to jump in and and be a part of one of those teams. I mentioned already small groups, but I do want to remind you if you're going to join a small group this week to pick up a copy of this book. The thing is, they're right outside the sanctuary doors. Uh, There's a suggested donation of $5. If you don't have $5 on you, no sweat. Please just take one. We want you to have one if you're coming to small groups. It's a fantastic book, and so we're excited to go through this together. Uh, But you'll you'll have a much better experience at small group if you do have the book with you. So grab one of those on your way out today and bring it to small groups with you. There's no reading you have to do this week. We'll introduce the book and then um, break down how we're going to move through it. Uh, But there's nothing you need to do in preparation other than bring that book with you. And again, if you want to bring somebody uh, to join you at small group, please feel free to do that. They don't have to be here on Sunday morning to be a part of the small groups. 
All right, let's get into the word together. We're going through the Gospel of John, and we're starting to pick up speed a little bit. We will get through uh, chapter 11 by summer. I might even finish a week or two early, and we have a plan for that as well. So we're going to be in John chapter 10 today. John chapter 10, I'm going to look at verses 11 through 30. I'll read those for us, and we'll get into the word together. So get your handout ready. If you have a Bible, open it to John chapter 10. If not, feel free to follow behind me on the screen. Let's read together, and then I'll pray. John 10 verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. But I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, Because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my father. Again, the Jews were divided because of these words. Many of them were saying he has a demon and he's crazy. Why do you listen to him? Others were saying these aren't the words of someone who is demon possessed. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Then the festival of dedication took place in Jerusalem, and it was winter. Jesus was walking in the temple in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews surrounded him and asked, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. I did tell you, and you don't believe, Jesus answered them. The works that I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you don't believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for sending your son to lay down his life and to be our good shepherd. God, I thank you for this assurance that no one takes from Jesus what is his. Thank you that by belonging to Jesus, we are safe and secure in your hands. We trust you. We worship you. Help us to grow as we look at your word together in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I want to make a couple uh, just real simple observations from this text but although they're simple, they're powerful, and they, they, they're worthy of some reflection this morning. And so as we, as we just look at those, those 20 or so verses, some things that I want to point out are this. First of all, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. For, uh, maybe we should back up a little bit. What's all this talk about shepherds and sheep? It's one of the more common images in the Bible to refer to God's people as sheep and for him to refer to himself as a shepherd. What's interesting about that is sheep do significantly better when they have a shepherd. 
Now, there are such a thing as wild sheep. There are sheep that survive on their own, but sheep by nature do much better when there's somebody looking out for them and somebody to care for them. Sheep are vulnerable. Sheep are not able to defend themselves. Sheep require a good shepherd. Now, the Bible refers to us as human beings as sheep that need shepherded. We need led. We need protected. We need guided. We need somebody to to help us navigate this difficult road called life. And so he provides a good shepherd. Jesus, one of the many I am statements of John, you know, we've looked at a few of them already, uh, but Jesus is revealing himself in the gospel of John. And one of the ways he reveals himself is that he is the good shepherd. And we know this about the good shepherd. He lays down his life for the sheep. Look what it says back in verse 11. I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In contrast, the hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. Uh, Fifteen years ago, probably, I was, when I was a youth pastor, uh, we were having a little camp out at one of the family's um, properties, they had, a, they had a camp along the river, and so we had all these youth, you know, students in like 7th through 12th grade, and we were having a fire, and we were doing all the camp out stuff, and uh, we took one of the kids snipe hunting. Now, before you judge me, some teenagers have it coming, and this kid had it coming. How do I know that? Because he was promising all of us that he had gone snipe hunting before and had caught a snipe. <laughs> now, if you're not familiar with snipe hunting is, um, see me, I'll take you snipe hunting sometime. It'll be a good time. <laughs> so I lead a group of teenagers, mostly boys, maybe some girls in there, I can't remember, kind of out into the woods a little bit. But unbeknownst to me, the dad of the family that owned this camp along the river had snuck off into the woods, and there was an old abandoned camper. And as we approached that abandoned camper, he starts pounding on the door from the inside of this abandoned camper. Now, I have a decision to make. I'm responsible for the lives of several teenagers, But as I'm standing there thinking about the decision that's before me, I'm thinking, you know, I really don't like these kids all that much. (laughs) I'd much rather stay alive. And so I take off running (laughs) and leave behind these vulnerable teenagers. And they've never let me live it down. In contrast to that, the good shepherd lays down his life, the hired hand, Sad to say, I was the hired hand. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. Here's something you need to know about Jesus. He'll lay down his life for you. In fact, he did. There is nothing he wouldn't do for you. He's no hired hand. 
He's, he's, not, he's, he's not unattached or, or disengaged from, from the matters of your life in any way, shape, or form. He cares about you deeply, and he cares about the affairs of your life, and he cares about the things that put you in danger and the things that trouble you. And he's willing to lay down his life for you. That's a good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In contrast to that, Jesus talks about sheep without a shepherd in Matthew chapter 9. This won't be on the screen. You can just listen as I read. This is what Jesus observes as he goes around Israel and carries out his public ministry of teaching and healing people and casting out demons and doing all the things that he did during his public ministry. It says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, Jesus continued going around to all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and every sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest like sheep without a shepherd. Doesn't that describe the world that we live in today. People all around us, they're like sheep without a shepherd. They're longing for a shepherd. They're searching for a shepherd. They, they want somebody that has answers. They want somebody that has the power, the, 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 the power to, to overcome the difficulties and, and the obstacles that we're facing today. We want answers. We long for leaders to deliver us and to, to give us relief and to provide for us. Jesus is such a leader. He is the good shepherd, and he, he lays down his life for the sheep. Let's go back to John 10. I'm going to skip to verse 17. We left off with 13, but I'll skip to 17. It says, this is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay, down, I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. Here's what's beautiful about Jesus laying down his life. See, if I were to lay down my life for you, then let's just hypothetically speaking, you know, we're in a situation where you and I are together and somebody pulls a gun and, and, and I jump in front of you to stop them uh, from killing you, but, but I die instead. So I've laid down my life for you. That was a, that was a generous thing to do. That was, a, that was a very kind and loving thing to do. But Jesus takes it one step further. He doesn't, he doesn't just lay down his life for you, but he takes it back up again. He not only has the power to protect you in that one instance, because here's the thing, after I've laid down my life for you, I can, do, I can protect you no longer. I have no more power to, to give you life or to protect you. Jesus takes his life back up again, and he lives forever to shepherd you. That's a significant difference. No one takes it from me, he says. There's this plan that's, that's 
being contrived by the Jews at this time to arrest Jesus, to bring his public ministry to an end. They want to stop him. They don't, they don't like what he's doing. And so they're working to, to end his public ministry. And, and eventually that plan evolves into a plan to actually execute him and to bring this thing to an end once and for all. And from an outsider's perspective, you might think, that these men exercised power over Jesus. They, against his will, took his life from him and executed him. But what was actually happening was Jesus was giving his life for you. He was laying it down of his own will. This was his desire. They were doing exactly what he wanted them to do. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. The the good news of the gospel isn't just the death of Jesus on our behalf. The good news of the gospel, has there's another side to that coin, and it is the resurrection of Jesus, which means that he has conquered, not, not only paid for our sin, but he has conquered death and therefore has the power to give life, to give eternal life. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep, knowing that he'll take it back up again. If a shepherd, let's go, let's go to literal shepherds, like a, a man or a woman who is in charge of a flock of actual sheep. If that shepherd lays down their life because a pack of wolves come and they die, then what happens to those sheep? Jesus doesn't leave us to face our enemies alone. He lays down his life, but he takes it back up and he forever lives to be our shepherd. There's what, what in theological terms is called the substitutionary atonement where Jesus went to the, why did Jesus die? What was the threat? I mean, we're not, we're not actual sheep and there weren't actual wolves. So why did Jesus lay down his life? What was the point of Jesus's death? Well, we know from the scriptures that the point of his death was to actually pay the, the sin price, the sin penalty that you and I have before God. He pays our debt for our sin. He, in other words, he takes the punishment for your sins upon himself. And who does that punishment come from? It does not come from the men who are physically beating him and crucifying him. It comes from God the Father himself. So what you have in the death of Jesus is that God the Father sends God the Son to be the substitution for you on the cross. And he pours out his wrath for your sin on his Son. What Jesus suffered on the cross goes far beyond the physical suffering. It goes far beyond the cuts and the bruises and the, and, and the nails and, and all of that. Although that was excruciating, what he was really experiencing was the wrath of God for sin. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. What else do we see here? The good shepherd knows his sheep and his sheep know him. That's the next thing on the handout. Good shepherd knows his sheep and his sheep know him. He knows his sheep and his sheep know him. This is great news. It's not, it's not a new thing that, that man has, has wandered about 
the origins of the universe and is there some higher being? And if so, what is our relationship with that higher being? And the good news of the gospel, what we find revealed in scripture, which is God's self-revelation, God is making himself known through the Bible. What he reveals is that he actually knows you and that you have the opportunity to know him. The God who created the whole universe, the God who sustains the universe, the God who is the ruler of the universe, invites you into a personal relationship with him. That's unbelievable to me. That's incredible. He knows his sheep and his sheep know him. Let's look at this. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Let me just pause there. So there's this, there's a lot of information out there on on the imagery that's being used here. I didn't read the first few uh, verses of this chapter, but he he goes into talking about the the gate to the sheep pen and the watchman and, and the shepherd that comes in through the gate and the thief that comes in through other means and stuff. But the image here, if I could just give you the image real quick, is in, in, in ancient Israel 2,000 years ago, and even still today, you'll see this. If you, if you go to Israel, you'll, you'll see shepherds with sheep um, occasionally. Um, but the image here is a sheep pen uh, which has a gate. And so most would, would agree that this was probably a place, based on some of the language here, probably a place where several families might keep their sheep together because there's this, this thought of a shepherd coming in and his sheep hearing his voice and coming out of the pen to follow him, indicating that there are sheep that don't, hear, don't recognize his voice and, and intuitively think, that's not my shepherd. So what Jesus is saying here is, is that his sheep come out from the other sheep because they hear his voice, they recognize his voice, they know his voice, and, and they follow him. Verse 22, it says, Then the festival of dedication took place in Jerusalem, and it was winter. Jesus was walking in the temple in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews surrounded him and asked him, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? Remember, this is the whole issue of the Gospel of John. Who is Jesus? Is he the Messiah? So they say, if you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. And people still say this today. Why didn't Jesus just come out and say who he is? And John's answer is 21 chapters of he did. It's right there. But he said it in a way that you could miss it if you don't recognize his voice. His purpose in doing this is is that his, his sheep, those who belong to him, would recognize his voice and follow him. How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. Verse 25, Jesus says, I did tell you, and you don't believe. You might be thinking, I wish God would just prove this whole thing to me. I wish God would just show me beyond any doubt that this is real. That Jesus is the way. And I think he would answer you, I've shown you, you don't believe. I think that's the message of the Gospel of John. Here it is, there's ample evidence. It's clear, the message is clear. This is who Jesus is. And just like 2,000 years ago, there were people who heard, who saw, who didn't believe. 
There are people today who hear, who see, and yet don't believe. Jesus goes on to say, the works that I do in my Father's name testify about me. What more do you need to see? People being like raised from the dead and healed of sicknesses, and, and, and he has, he's shown that he has the power over demons, and he's, he's, he's doing miraculous things, and he's teaching with great insight about the kingdom of God. But you don't believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. If you belong to Jesus, you hear his voice. He knows you and you follow him. That's what's supposed to happen. You hear his voice. He knows you and you, and, and you know him. There's a relationship, there's recognition, there's connection, there's a real relationship there. And as a result, you follow him. The good shepherd knows his sheep and his sheep know him. This was one of the things that, that I think from a young age I was taught, I was, from a young age I was taught the gospel, but specifically I was taught that I can talk to God and that he hears me. And many of you were probably taught the same thing, but some of you weren't. And, and, and I believed that. As a kid, I believed that. I can remember long before I committed myself to following Christ, I would lay in bed at night as a kid and I would say some sort of prayers and I would, I would ask God to help people that I cared about in my family, mostly just kind of praying for people by name and, and, and not really knowing what else to say other than asking him to care for them. And then when I committed myself to Christ and when Christ came into my life and I began to know him more and more, I, I, I realized that there's this amazing thing happening when we begin to follow Jesus. We're entering into this personal, intimate relationship with the creator of the universe. That the same Jesus that lived 2,000 years ago and died on that cross for me is available to me by the Holy Spirit today. And I can know him, and, and if I know him, I ought to follow him. And that he knows me. There's so many things that we have to just concede we don't understand how they're even possible. I mean, from a, from a spiritual perspective, but let's just go from a scientific perspective. I mean, let's, let's go completely secular and just take the Bible and God out of everything we know about the world you have to concede there are just an infinite number of things that you don't understand. And if that's true of the physical, then why, why can't we accept that that's true of the spiritual as well, that there are things that we just can't understand? One of the things that we can't understand is how, how, how God, one being, could, could have an intimate relationship with each of us all at the same time. You know, one of those age-old questions, like how does God hear everybody's prayers if everybody's praying at the same time? Well, he's God. I don't know how he does it. I just know that he does. And I, and I, and I know that he knows us, and we have this opportunity to have a real, personal relationship with him. He's the good shepherd. He knows us. And he makes the way for us to know him. So we've seen two things so far. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The good shepherd knows his sheep and his sheep know him. Next is the good shepherd is pursuing more sheep. I love this one. The good shepherd is pursuing more sheep. This is why I feel compelled to go to two services. Because I'll be honest with you, uh, you know, we, we have 
a, a, a team of leaders who are all volunteers, except for Greg and I, we're the only ones on staff here. And uh, everything else is run by volunteers. And those volunteers have just been, they've been killing it lately, but they've been busting their butts to get to where we're at today. And they're working hard and they're, they're constantly saying, we need more help, we need more people, we need more resources and all of those things. And I know they're stretched. And, and when I started saying, we gotta go to two services, we can't have people you know, parking down on 56 and walking up the driveway and we can't have people squeezing in shoulder to shoulder. They'll just stop coming and, and we need them to know that there's a seat for them and we need them to know that there's a need for them, that we need you to, to come here and to be a part of this and to serve. And I, and I said, I just knew the only way we could create that is to go to two services, but I knew that was going to stretch everybody. So I, I tried to talk to the leaders throughout the week this week and say, I really think we need to do this. Here's the plan. We're going to go in Sunday, and if it's full again, I'm going to announce we're going to two services. If it's not full, then maybe we just hold off because we're at this weird place. We're like, we're coming up on summer when we know attendance is going to go down, and so do we just hang in there and ride it out? And, and I put all of, the, all of that decision back on myself, and I didn't ask one person this morning what we should do, not because I don't care about their input, because I knew they weren't going to make the decision that I had to make that decision. And I'm sitting in my seats, and Greg prays for courage. And I'm like, man, I don't want to live with shoulda, coulda, woulda, what if, had we done. I'd rather try and fail, and I'd rather go for it, because we serve a shepherd who is pursuing more sheep. We know that there are 150,000 people within 20 minutes of this building, most of whom don't know Jesus as their shepherd. Most of whom do not have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Most of whom are headed for a godless eternity. And he is seeking them. And he wants them. And he wants them to hear. And he wants them to be a part of the family. And that doesn't have to happen at Redemption Church, but we should assume that he wants it to happen at Redemption Church. If not us, who? And if not here, where? If not now, when? This is the way we have to think that God has called us to be a part of the plan. I pray that God fills every church in this community with people who are encountering Jesus Christ as Savior and serving him. But I'm not responsible for every church in this community. I'm responsible for this one. And I know that the good shepherd is pursuing more sheep. He says in verse 16, but I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. I think that specifically he's speaking about the mission to go from the Jews to the Gentiles because Jesus during his earthly ministry ministered for the most part almost exclusively to Jewish people but he's letting them know that this gospel is not just for the Jews it's for the whole world that we're going to go and find them and you and I are here today as a result of the fact that the good shepherd is pursuing more sheep something that started a couple thousand, well, several thousand miles from here, almost on the other side of the world, in a place called Israel, made its way here because the good shepherd is pursuing more sheep. And he sends out his followers to go get them. I read that verse from Matthew 9 earlier. Let me read the last two verses again. The, the, uh, the sheep without a shepherd verse. 
Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. There's plenty of people out there that need to and are ready to hear the gospel of Jesus. There's not enough people out there telling them. That's still true today. It's true of our, you, you, man, don't kid yourself into the, some of you didn't grow up in, in church or this is relatively new to you. Most of us, we've been in and out of church most of our lives. We've had a lot of exposure to this. And we can tend to think that everybody else is the same. Everybody else has heard. Everybody else has had a chance. Well, let me assure you that today in 2021, there are a unthinkable amount of people right here in our community around us who have never sat in a, in a church where the gospel was preached and nobody has ever told them outside of a church context, which is another option, by the way, nobody has ever told them outside of a church context the gospel of Jesus and how to be saved and how to know their creator and have a relationship with him. I run into it, I run into it all the time. People that just don't have that background and that context for understanding. They're sheep without a shepherd. And what Jesus wants is to send out workers. Will you be a worker? I'm not asking you to, to quit your job and go into full-time ministry. I'm just asking you to be a worker in what you're already doing. To be a part of pursuing more sheep of sharing the gospel, of offering to pray with your coworkers, of inviting them to church or inviting them to your house for dinner and, and sharing the gospel with them one-on-one, -on -one. Whatever, whatever works for you. Look, we're all different. We all have different gifts and abilities. And, 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 and sometimes, you know, getting those words out and sharing the gospel, what's difficult for all of us, but that might not be the easiest thing for you to do, but there's just no excuse and to, in our world, in our society today, to not share the gospel in some way, shape, or form. I mean, send them a link to a video online that explains the gospel. Invite them to a small group or to a church service. Do whatever we can to join the good shepherd in pursuing more sheep. I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also. When Jesus says, I must bring them also, rest assured, he's going to get it done. If I say, I must, I'm a thinker, not a doer. There are some people that are thinkers. There are some people that are doers. Ask, ask Greg. I mean, like, it's painful. It's, it's, part, it's painful <laughs> working with me sometimes. He's like, are you just going to do it? I'm like, no, I'm still thinking about it, man. I'm still just chewing it over, you know? I, I like to think about things long and, and, and give a lot of time to that. Um, and then when the time comes to do it, hopefully I, I get it done, all right? So when I say I must, I must do something, I may or may not do it. <laughs> I'm using the word must very loosely. When Jesus says I must Bring them also. When he says, I have sheep that aren't of this pen, it's not like he's, he's saying, look, my, my mom's from Georgia. Uh, I was not raised in the South, but I spent a lot of time in the South. Um, when I'm visiting family in Georgia, when they, when they say they're going to do something, like, hey, we, we're going to go to Walmart uh, and, and 
we're going to go to Walmart in a little bit. A little bit could be next week. <laughs> and it doesn't bother anybody. They're just totally content to just keep saying, yeah, we got to do that. We got to do that. We got to do that. Jesus isn't like that. Thank God he's not. He must and he will. He must bring them also. And we must join him. And it's the greatest privilege that you could ever be given in life to join him in pursuing other sheep. I've already mentioned the 150,000. That's, that's our focus right here as a church. And we know that we, we cannot reach those 150,000 without planting more churches. One church just isn't going to reach that many people unless something really, really extraordinary happens. Um, but we want to plant other churches we actually want to raise up church planners right here from Redemption Church and send them out. And, and, and that doesn't mean they have to go to the other side of the world. They could go to New Ken. They could go to Leechburg or Vandergrift. Uh, we, we want, when the time is right, one of our four core values is multiplication. And that means that we're seeking to raise up people who will go and, and, and plant new churches because we believe that new churches are the best way to accomplish this mission. And so we, we started a thing called the Steel City Church Planning Network along with three other churches uh, and, and a growing number of other churches that are connecting to that network. That's something we just started a couple of months ago. Um, the Steel City Church Planting Network is focused on planting new churches in Western PA. And I know some of you are like, new churches in Western PA, I can't go two blocks without running into a church. And that's true. You can't go two blocks without running into a church building, but you can go two miles or more without running into a church that's preaching the gospel. Most of those buildings have been repurposed into other things now. Some of them, um, you know, not a knock on them. Churches have a life cycle, and one day our, our church will be at a different place in our life cycle as well. But some of those churches, there's 10, 15 people showing up, and they're doing what they can just to survive and keep the doors open. We want to plant life-giving churches that go into communities and make a difference for the gospel. And so that's what the Steel City Church Planning Network is all about. But then we also partner strategically with people who are reaching the lost and seeking to take the gospel around the world to places where it's needed the absolute most. And there are sadly many places on this earth still today where you cannot hear the message of the gospel. And so we have some strategic mission partners. A couple of them are with us here today, Amber and Upai. Jason, Amber and Upai, will you guys raise your hands? I know they're sitting right back there by the green light. Um, fantastic missionary partners um, that, that we have, and they help get the Bible translated into languages that don't have the Bible. Can you imagine not having the Bible in your language, in a language that you read and understand? And somebody, would, somebody who understood the language that it is written in would have to translate it to you and try to explain it to you, and you couldn't read it for yourself. Well, sadly, that's the case for many, many people still today in 2021. And so they're working very hard to get the, the Bible translated into more and more languages, and, and we love being partners with them. We also have another family um, in Indonesia right now who's preparing to reach uh, out to a totally unreached people group and do the same thing, to move into their community and teach them the gospel and to translate the Bible into their language. So that's what we're doing. We take 10% of everything that comes in at Redemption Church and we put it towards this 
half of that towards the Steel City Church Planning Network and half of it towards our mission partners around the world. But we also like to go on mission trips and take people. Now, COVID has made that difficult, but we love to go on short-term mission trips. And uh, actually, before COVID hit, we were planning to visit the Jasons who are normally in Thailand, um, and, and hopefully we'll have an opportunity to do that in the near future. All right, all that to say, the Good Shepherd is pursuing more sheep, and we need to join him. We as a church, if you don't mind me using this word, as an organization, because there is an organization aspect to our church. We're a living organization. We're an organization that's focused on people, um, not bottom lines or anything like that. But as an organization or as a church, we need to focus on this mission. But individually, I'm inviting you to join the Good Shepherd in pursuing more sheep as well. Let me give you one more lastly. I'll make this one quick. The good shepherd keeps his sheep forever. The good shepherd keeps his sheep forever. This is so comforting. It's so good to know. I, I know I mentioned this a couple weeks uh, ago, a few weeks ago, but my, uh, my grandmother down in Georgia's starting to experience dementia and she's forgetting a lot of things and and that's part of life a lot of people go down that road um you know it's possible that that you or i might grow old and even forget the gospel and even forget what jesus has done and forget to worship him and forget to follow him or even become physically unable to do so It's good to know that even in that stage of life or in any other stage of life, the good shepherd keeps his sheep. He's the one that sustains them. It's his activity, not ours, that keeps us in him. Let me show this to you. My sheep hear my voice, verse 27. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So Jesus says no one's taken them from my hand and no one's taken them from the Father's hand. The Father and I are one and he is greater than all. In other words, you would have to be greater than God the Father and God the Son to take one of his sheep from him. You would have to have power that no human being has ever had, nor ever could have, and no demon in hell, nor Satan himself, has ever possessed to take one of his sheep from him. He's not letting them go. Some of many of you have have returned to church recently after a season away from from being a part of a church body, and I believe that the reason you're back is because the the good shepherd keeps his sheep. And even though there may have been a season where that wasn't a prior, the priority it should have been, or it wasn't something that you were engaged with in the way he he calls us to, he has kept you. Isn't that great news? Isn't it good news to know? So dementia is not stronger. And cancer is not stronger. 
and all of the things that could happen to us in this world are not stronger than him. He keeps his sheep. He keeps his sheep forever. This is incredible news. It's such a comfort to know that in order to be pried from his hand, a power more more uh, 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 somebody more strong, stronger than him or more powerful than him would have to come and take us from him. That will never happen. He keeps his sheep. He's the good shepherd. He lays down his life for his sheep. He knows them. They know him. He's pursuing more and he keeps his sheep forever. Worship him. Love him, enjoy him, and follow him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for sending the son to lay down his life, and not just to lay it down, but to take it up again. Jesus, thank you for being a good shepherd. Thank you for being the good shepherd. Thank you for being really the only worthy shepherd to shepherd our souls. Thank you for laying down your life and not just laying it down, but taking it up again. And thank you for bringing us into a relationship whereby we can know you and be known by you. Use us in in your pursuit of finding more sheep. God, we know there are people in our community, there are people in our family. In fact, I want to ask, I just want to ask everybody here as we pray, just to think of a couple of names of people that you know aren't, aren't following Jesus, but you'd love to see them come and follow him with you. And just lift up those names. Father, you know the names on my heart. I, I pray that you bring them. Pursue them today. Good shepherd, go and get them. Teach them to hear your voice, I pray. And then lastly, Jesus, we just rejoice in knowing that you keep us. <laughs> it's tempting to think that after you got to know us, you'd, you'd send us back, but you keep us. You never let us go. We love you and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.